You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Parkour. That's P-A-R-K-O-U-R exclamation point, And don't forget that exclamation point. Parkour is defined by our friends at the Internet as an act of moving through your environment as swiftly and effectively as possible using only the human body. Parkour certainly puts a little adventure back into the act of walking. Now this morning what I want to do is look at what I think is our best biblical example of parkour. It's one of my favorite scriptures uh, out there. And Sunday schools have made this passage famous through flannel graphs and cutouts. It's the story of Jesus and Peter walking on water in Matthew 14. And it's a story that ultimately reminds us that Jesus is not unconcerned and detached, but rather one that is calling us to God and calling us to himself through adventure. Let me pray for us as we come to our text this morning. Gracious God, would you open our minds and give us the imagination to be in this story. We long for adventure. We long for rest. We long to hear your voice. So speak to us now as we seek to hear your voice in this, your word. Amen. So in a series on rest... Uh, in perhaps a bit of a break from what has become our tradition of standing and reading together, I want to invite you to stay seated this morning and use your imagination as you do, uh, as you hear these words from Matthew 14. If you feel compelled to follow along, uh, we're going to begin at the 22nd verse. It's on page 796 of the Bibles that are in front of you. Hear these words from Matthew 14. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. 
And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, this is the Son of God. Dale Bruner notes that this story, and the story that Matthew places directly in front of it, the feeding of the 5,000, is there to illustrate the tension of believing, yet not believing. Believing and not believing. Is there anything more exhausting than being divided? Perhaps you find yourself divided between investing time in your work and investing time with your family. Trying to to figure out if you should date or marry somebody and not date or not marry somebody. Sometimes I find my, the, the division of the things that I am uh, working on to be a little bit more trivial or trite. Which is worse? Cougars or ducks? Yankees or Red Sox? Belief versus unbelief. It is this type of division, this experience that can lead us to a place that sounds a lot like, I don't even care. I don't care. Which is different than, I don't have an opinion. Or we could go either way. But when we get to a place of, I don't care. Whatever. That is often a sure sign that apathy is near. Now, understanding that this part of the story of Matthew and Jesus is illustrating the tension of belief and unbelief, but it is ultimately also a story that I believe leads us to rest. So let me share with you a little bit about how this story plays out in my imagination. And any time, let me me give you... kind of my idea here of any time we see a miracle in Scripture and we read about this, imagination is a great device for us in our reading to really get us into the story. So let me share with you some of my imagination around this text. So as the meal, the feeding of the 5,000 is finished, that's where we pick up the story. And Jesus gives his disciples a bit of a benediction and says, all right, we're done here. God bless you. Hey, you guys head off to the boat. And I'll meet you there a little bit later. As he gets to hang out following this, this feeding. And I have this image of Jesus kind of shaking hands and, you know, giving hugs to the people that were still there. Much like we might do after a service here at UPC. Jesus is kind of hanging around and doing his thing. And then it's really interesting to me that what the text then leads us into is, is Jesus then going to pray. After this ministry of feeding the 5,000 has happened, Jesus goes to pray. A little bit of pastoral, true confessions of a pastor here is that I find myself a lot more likely to pray when I need a miracle or when I need God to show up. And it's interesting to me that Jesus, after this miracle of feeding the 5,000, goes up on the hill to pray. When do we pray? It's certainly convicting for me. Well, of course, this also precedes another miracle as well. 
Because as Jesus prays, the guys are in the boat, and it's a boat battered, battered by waves. They're starting to find themselves a little bit adrift out there in the Sea of Galilee. So, it's miracle time. Jesus walks to them in a way that only he can. He walks on the water to them, and the disciples find this to be profoundly disturbing and startling. And they make that known by crying out. But then in what I think is the most important part of the text, Jesus says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Friends, this is the line in this text that we cannot miss. Literally in the Greek, it would say, courage, I am. Do not be afraid. That line is the key in moving from apathy to adventure to finding a sense of rest. Courage, I am. Picking up on a theme from Moses. Courage, I am. Do not be afraid. So the first miracle that we see in this story is some pretty rowdy parkour. Jesus walking on top of the water. But this miracle of parkour leads to another miracle of parkour. Peter wants a little bit more assurance, so he's like, he's rubbing his eyes going, okay, if I'm really seeing what I think I'm seeing, and if you're able to walk on the water, then call me onto the water too, Jesus. Jesus, looking back at Peter going, parkour. And I picture Peter somewhat tentatively, but kind of exciting, eyes wide open, putting that first foot outside of the boat. His mouth wide open as he's, he's actually going, is this going to work? As he, as he takes that second step, brings that other foot out of the boat, he's looking back at Philip. Philip has his camera phone to try and get this on, onto YouTube. Peter's going, I can't. Yeah, I told you, my imagination is my imagination. It's not necessarily a canonical imagination. But Peter's going, I can't believe this is happening. But then he notices, wow. There's waves on this water. My situation is not good. And he begins to sink. The second miracle of parkour. Jesus walking on water, then Peter walking on water, and then Peter going, what happens? He begins to sink. And then what I believe is really the third miracle of this story reaches out, Lord, save me. The third miracle, Jesus does it. Peter ends up in the arms of the Lord. First, Jesus saves Peter. And I think it's important to note that that Jesus reaching out and grabbing Peter happens first before the rebuke of you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Notice that. The first thing that Jesus does is save. The second thing he does is move towards the work of discipleship. And of course, those in the boat are looking at this thing going, you have got to be kidding me. 
truly what we are seeing is the Son of God. That in Peter's sense of adventure and even failed adventure, it leads others to worship. It leads others to knowing this Jesus is not just a theory. This is real. And we have seen it. Truly. This is the Son of God. So what do these miracles communicate about this one who says, Courage, I am. Do not be afraid. So with the time that we have left, I want to make a few reflections about an engaged and concerned God that in this story has clearly moved towards us and in so doing, in moving towards us, moves us to a sense of adventure that ultimately leads to rest. Jesus walking on water reveals a God that is not detached or indifferent, but rather engaged, concerned, and near to his creation. Jesus has sent this group of friends to this boat to go on to the other side. And while there might be this perception that Jesus is detached, Matthew wants us to pick up something very different. While apathy would say, I'm not going to worry about them. I don't care. Adventure says, actually, I'm with you. And as we noted, Jesus shows up in a way to communicate this I am with you-ness in a way that only Jesus can. And in a way that emphasizes for the disciples and for us reading this text that the heart of God is a heart that is among us, that is near to us. This is an incredible illustration of what we might call a Christmas faith. We celebrate at Christmas this amazing miracle in and of itself that God became one of us in the form of a little baby and drew near. What's happening in this story? Again, we are seeing this reality of Jesus drawing near. Even when his disciples are out in the middle of this lake. And and it helps us to understand that in in a first century Palestinian context, to be out in the middle of, of a lake like that is to be out in the midst of mystery and chaos. Something that is uncontrollable. Yet that is exactly where Jesus draws near to his friends. In that place of mystery in chaos. And so we see a group of people out on the lake in the middle of this mystery and chaos that many of us know in our own lives. And as many have interpreted throughout the centuries, we see this image of Christ's church in turmoil, being tossed about by waves, but Jesus draws near. And Jesus speaks. And Jesus says, Courage, I am. Be at ease. 
Jesus draws near and invites the church to something different than fear. Something different than what they have always done. And we see this as Peter is called from that fear to adventure. From what might have been normal to be out in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the night, battered by waves, that's fear. It would be normal to to feel that way. And what Jesus is saying, I'm calling you from fear to adventure, from what might be normal to what is abnormal. Now, there's been a lot of speculation about Peter here. And was this his notorious brashness? Was this move responsible? Was this move irresponsible? But because Jesus called Peter, and Peter waited for Jesus to say to him, come, parkour. I want to argue that Peter was more thoughtful than we might be tempted to give him credit for. Peter was listening here, and he responded to that listening. Now, if I put myself in this situation, I'm probably asking myself something on the lines of, okay, okay, what do I want to ask Jesus for right here? I would be saying something along the lines of, Jesus, if it's you, why don't you stop these waves? Jesus, if it's you, will you lead us to dry ground? Jesus, if it's you, why don't you make the conditions right? Why don't you make the conditions right? See, I think that apathy and the exhaustion that happens around apathy, it can often happen when we continue doing the same things. Sitting around and waiting for the conditions to be right. I know this happens in my own life. I'm not going to go mow the lawn right now because it's raining. You know, I don't think I'm going to go mow the lawn right now because it's too hot. And it might scorch the grass. You know, I don't want to mow the lawn right now because tomorrow it's going to be too hot. And it might scorch the grass if I cut it right now. I sit around waiting for the conditions to be right. I'll volunteer once I get the sin out of my life. I'll volunteer once I I read a book and become an expert on the subject. I'll do that after the kids graduate and move away from home. We wait for the conditions to be right, and we find ourselves being paralyzed in the process. So thus it's striking to me that Peter did not ask for the conditions to be favorable enough for him to walk on water. He didn't ask for himself to be made perfect. And then he'd go on adventure. He didn't ask for a dinghy and a life preserver. He asked to come to Jesus. I've heard it said that the last seven words of a dying church are, we have always done it that way. How does a community hear this mandate and look for an imminent Jesus that draws near and moves us towards something different? Friends, this is not just 
an individual mandate. Perhaps it's the place that our church is in right now as we continue to ask the question, of what does it look like to be a, a church moving into its second century that loves being university Presbyterian church, that loves being a part of this neighborhood. Perhaps we can hear as a community, not just individually, this call to adventure. So my point is that it's not about Peter and it's not about conditions. It's about Jesus being the one who calls Peter to that courage. Could it be that moving from apathy, from that which wears us out, to that which we've always done is less about circumstances and more about an adventure of drawing close to Jesus because he's drawn close to us. And that we do so no matter what the conditions are. Because ultimately moving from apathy to adventure places us exactly where we want to be. One of the ways that my imagination plays out this story is to ask the question, where do I want to be in this story of Matthew 14? In the boat? On top of the water? On the shore? To me, one of the loudest parts of this story is that this adventure leads to exactly where you want to be. And it is not in the boat, though the boat would be nice and safe. And it's not on top of the water, even though that would be a cool way to to, uh, get your name in the Bible. And it's certainly not in the rough water. The place you want to be, my friends, is not dry land in the boat on top of the water. It is in the arms of the Lord. Peter, at the end of this adventure, and in his failure, ends up in that place that we want to be. In the arms of the Lord. It must have been when I was probably five or six years old when we were having a family reunion at a home that my dad had recently purchased. And this home had a wonderful indoor swimming pool. And it was great to be able to have a, an occasion to have my aunts and uncles around and to, to share this, this pool uh, at my dad's new house. And as we gathered on this, uh, this Saturday morning, in my enthusiasm and, of course, competitive drive to be the first one into the pool. I ran and I jumped in. And that was a problem because I jumped in without my water wings and I didn't know how to swim. You see, I couldn't swim without those water wings, but I wanted to be the first of the cousins to get in the pool. And without those water wings, I began to sink. And so my dad, fully clothed, jumped in and, of course, rescued me. Now, after this incident, I quickly found myself in swimming lessons, (laughs) lest my dad take another fully clothed swim. But it was in that moment that my dad's love for me was not in any way theoretical. 
It wasn't something that I had to, to cling to knowledge about. I knew it. I knew it. And it was in the evidence of being in the water, fully clothed, helping me do something that I could not do for myself. My dad saved me. Jesus saves us. When we find ourselves at the end of an adventure in the water without our water wings, Jesus saves us. Jesus, Peter experiences the saving power of Jesus, and as we noted, it leads others to worship. They see what happens and say, truly, Truly, this is the Son of God. One of the great blessings that we have in this congregation is getting to commission our friends and members into this city and around the world on mission opportunities. And certainly, we rally each spring around sending university students around the world on world deputation, and then we get to hear these stories about how they encountered the saving love and power of Jesus in some of the toughest times of their trip, wherever they may have found themselves. And it does our faith good. In the same way that those who were sitting in the boat are continuing to look at this thing and say, truly, this is the Son of God. As we celebrate those who get to go, even in UPC's uh, partnership with Agros, we have a team down in El Salvador as we speak. As we celebrate that work, we participate in knowing the saving love of Jesus Christ. We get to participate when we celebrate how those people respond to Jesus drawing near and saying, yes. Let us celebrate that, that we in our church might be able to say truly through what we've seen God do in these people, truly, this is the Son of God. And so we do take courage individually and as a community to join in this parkour, this adventure that leads us into the arms of a God that has drawn near. As we respond to that God, we experience Jesus' love and his saving power as he reaches out and reminds us there's nothing to fear. The invitation is to believe, to believe the one that says, Courage, I am. Do not be afraid. He means it. And when we stop dividing ourselves in believing that we can take Jesus at his word, it is there, in that belief, that we find rest. We rest in knowing The saving love and grace of Jesus Christ is for us individually and for us as a community. It is there in the arms of the Lord that we find rest. Let us pray.
Lord, it is true that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Lord, may we hear your words afresh again that call us to courage, that help us know that you are present. And Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you would take away the fear. So Lord, may we go from here and enter into the rest that you invite us to, knowing your love, your grace, and your mercy for us, for our neighbors, for our world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206 524-7301, extension 117.